Would you go with me to the Gospel of John in chapter 14? John chapter 14, and we return to our study here. We come to chapter 14 and verse 8. We're going to be there in just a moment. But let me ask you this. You ever feel like you need more than God's promises to live on? Be honest with yourself. I know many of you would say, I believe in God's Word. I, I hold to God's Word. I believe in His truth. I am, I am thankful for the wisdom of His Word, and I believe in it. But do you ever feel like you need more than God's promises? You need more than His words to live on? Last week we saw that God provides promises. He gives promises for us to live by, and His promises give us, when we trust in them and depend upon them and live by them, they give us great hope and courage to to obey Him. Great hope and courage when dealing with a, a doubting heart, and a heart that even doubts one's ability to deal with the difficulty in the life of a Christian even a heart that struggles over one's own weakness and sin, even, even doubts whether God really cares. You see, God's promises were given to remind us that He is working. He is working, and, and that we are not living the Christian life alone. He has not left us alone to live it in our own strength. So we noted last time that Jesus told the disciples that He was He was going to leave them. He was going away. But he also told them that he was going to prepare a place for them, right? He was going to prepare a place for all who believe in him. He was going away, yes, but he was going to prepare a place for everyone who believed in him. And he also said that he was coming back to take them to that place. So all who believe in Jesus have a place in the eternal kingdom of God. And that is wonderful news, and that is a precious promise, and one that we can live by if we take great hope in that, and encouragement from that, that we are not left behind by Christ. Those are precious promises that we can count on even when we face hardship and difficulty of all kinds in our walk with Christ. But let's admit it. Sometimes we feel like we need something more than promises. Sometimes we feel like we need something more than words. I think we can all identify with that feeling if we're honest with ourselves. And this morning, I think you're going to see that you and I are not alone. Look with me, beginning in verse 8 at John's Gospel, chapter 14. Verse 8 begins, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, and the Father may be, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now Philip and the other disciples had heard Jesus answer the questions of Thomas. They had also heard Jesus say he was going to prepare a place for them and he was going to return for them. And they had each heard Jesus say that he is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through him. But the disciples thought they needed more than promises. They thought they needed more than Jesus. You see, they had Jesus in their presence, but as he began to tell them that he was going to leave them for a time, they began to think. And so Philip asks, after he hears Jesus say, from now on you do know him and have seen him, have seen him, back in verse, what was it, in verse 6, He says in verse 8, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. Show us. He says, you have seen Him. But Philip says, show us the Father. And it is enough for us. Philip says, it's as if he's saying, I hear your promises, Lord, but just show us the Father. Give us the Father to look at. That's all we really need. Just show us God. After all their time with Jesus, the disciples still didn't get that they were seeing God. They were seeing Him. They still didn't get it. They were seeing Him in Jesus. So in verse 9, Jesus said to him, look at it, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. It doesn't get any plainer than that, does it? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Why don't you get it, Philip? Philip wasn't alone. It was the other disciples too. It's a gentle rebuke from Jesus, but it's a rebuke we also need to hear, I think. You realize we need to hear that? I think we're a lot like Philip. We're a lot like the disciples when we read the Bible and we say we want to know more about God. We want to know Him more. We want to take great joy and hope in His promises, but when He makes Himself known to us in His Word and in our hearts, we we often find ourselves disbelieving and doubting. We find ourselves little satisfied, how how little satisfied we are with Christ alone and His promises. And you can hear the disappointment in Jesus' voice in verse 10. Look at verse 10. Do you not believe? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Jesus had just told the disciples, he he was the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He just told them, no one comes to the Father except through me. But they've got to have some visible proof, they think. And Jesus says, why do you need proof? 
Why do you need proof? Have you not been with me for this, this many years and, and seen the power of God? Have you not seen the goodness of God in me? Have you not seen the wisdom of God in me? Have you not heard it? And note here in verse 10 that he points to his words, his doctrine, his teaching, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. In other words, listen, gentlemen, I'm not speaking to you as a man. I'm speaking to you as God. Because I'm in the Father. The Father is in me. Do you not believe? Well, they should have seen. They should have seen the fullness of God in Christ, and they should have believed, as Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God. And we hear in John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then in 118, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He, Jesus, has made Him known. Jesus is, as 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, the image of God. And in 4.6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. They should have, but did not, see God in Christ. But it's not only the disciples. The world that we live in is looking for God everywhere but in Christ. Unless we be quick to point a finger, we do the same thing when we refuse to be satisfied with His Word and His promises. In John 7, in verse 46, even the officers who failed to arrest Jesus had recognized the divinity of Jesus, but they didn't know what it was they were seeing. All they could say was, no one ever spoke like this man. It was incredible. We couldn't arrest him. Nobody's ever spoke like this man. They saw it. They didn't know how to put a handle on it. But the disciples the ones who'd been with him for so long, they should have believed his words. So Jesus repeats what he said in verse 10. Believe me that I am in the Father. Look at verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. You see, they should have believed his words. They should have recognized his divinity. They should have believed because of his miracles. So he goes on to say, even in verse 11, he says, look, you may not believe the words, but at least believe the, the works, or else believe on account of the works themselves. The works that Jesus performed themselves point to the divinity of Christ. Jesus says, what I teach reveals who I am. The doctrine I teach reveals that I am God in human flesh. And you should see that. But the works themselves are enough proof that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. You see, the power of God was very clearly on display in the words and the works of Jesus Christ. But note that Jesus isn't finished teaching them. 
graciously. He's not done. Or us. He's not done showing them how to deal with a troubled and doubting heart. Jesus gives us wonderful news in verse 12. Look at verse 12. Truly, truly. And this is like saying, look, listen, please. This is very important. (laughs) Truly, truly. I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. I ask again, do you ever feel like you need more than the promises of God to help you in your walk with Christ? Here's some of the most wonderful news. Whoever truly believes in Jesus will also work the works of Christ and even greater things. But you might hear that and say, well, how is that possible? First, it's possible because Jesus would soon be going to the Father. He tells the disciples, I'm going to be leaving. I'm soon going to the Father. Now, this may not sound like good news to the disciples. It didn't sound like good news to them. It may not sound like good news to us. It wouldn't be better to have Jesus in our presence, we think. But this is actually very good news because when he goes to the Father, he will send his power by way of his Holy Spirit to indwell the lives of his believers, those who follow Christ. We'll hear it when we get to verses 16 and 17, Lord willing, next week. But just look at those two verses right now. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Listen, I know I'm here with you, helping you now, but I'm going to leave. The Father's going to give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. So listen, wholehearted Followers of Christ will do the works of Christ in his physical absence because they will have the indwelling presence of his spirit at work in them. And I qualify that with the so wholehearted followers of Christ. We need to think about that because we can, though indwelt by the Holy Spirit, do what? We can quench the spirit, right? We can... Ignore the Spirit. We can try to bypass the Spirit and work in our own strength. But if you're a wholehearted follower of Christ and you seek to walk by obedience, I'm not suggesting perfection and neither does God, but if you seek to walk in obedience to God's Word, the wholehearted follower of Christ will do wonderful works in Jesus' name. In the absence of Jesus Christ's physical presence, because His Spirit will be present, is present in the life of the believer. Think of it, the commands of Christ. Just try to keep them in your flesh. Just try to keep them without God's help. The commands of Christ, the teaching of Christ, the obedience we seek, the the obedience I hope you long for, for God's glory, it's all possible because the believer has the power of Christ. And in Christ, 
is the power of God, and the power that was visible in Christ will be visible in his followers as they walk in obedience to his word. So as we take steps of obedience to the truths of God's word, God empowers us for further works of obedience that bring him great glory. But I want you to note something This will not be so that the world will say, what wonderful people. Right? This will not be so that the world can say, wow, what incredible people. What, what good people. What, what wonderful people that go to that church down the road. God will empower us to do great things in the name of Jesus Christ so that the Father is glorified in the Son. It's so that the world will see the power of God and not say what wonderful people, but what a wonderful Savior. Know what Jesus says. Look at verses 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So not only will those who believe in Christ have the power of God at work in them to do the work of Christ and for God's glory, they will also have the power of God at work for them. You see, this is why 1 John 4, 4 says, He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You see it in verse 13. Jesus will answer the believer's prayers. He will answer your prayers as you call on his name. He will answer the believer's prayers that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And this is why, think of it, this is why Christ came to earth. Fully God, while fully man, taking the punishment for the sins of many so that the Father may be glorified by his obedience. And Jesus has been and will always be obediently about the Father's business. And part of that business is hearing and answering the prayers of God's people. We think We need more than promises. Well, guess what? God agrees. And he is gracious to side with us when we say, I need more than promises, Lord. We think we need more than promises, and so does your heavenly Father. So he gives you the privilege of prayer. And your prayer prayed in obedience to God's word. And that's essentially what it means when we see this phrase, when we pray in Jesus' name. And you may hear us when we pray. Pray In Jesus' name we pray. But how careful we ought to be that we, that, we get so, that we not get so used to that statement we don't think about the importance of that statement. The importance of that statement is this, that we pray in obedience to God's Word. We pray in line with the truths of Scriptures that we not ask for things that are outside of the will of God. Now, we may not know exactly what the will of God is in our situation, but are we praying in line with the truths revealed in God's Word so that God might get the glory in the answers to our prayers? 
and your prayer prayed in obedience to God's word, they not only reach the ear of God, but they also are met with the resources of God. We want more than God's promises, and God knew we would. And he knew we would need more than his promises. So he gave us his son. He gave us his son, who would be the sacrifice for sin. Right? Not only that, he gave us his son who would suffer and die, but then he would rise from the dead and he would ascend to heaven. He would go and prepare a place for you there if you are his child. God gave us his son who would prepare a place for those who believe in the son in his eternal kingdom. A place in the eternal kingdom of God for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He gave us His Son who would come again to take all His children to Himself to dwell with Him for all eternity, where He would wipe away every tear and sorrow and sin would be no more. And He gave us His Son, giving all of Christ's followers the right to pray in the name of the Son. And it's only in His name that we have the privilege of prayer. Seeking His provision. Asking for His help. Pleading for His wisdom. Waiting on the Lord in prayer. And we can do so fully assured that He hears and He answers our prayers. God knew we needed more than His promises. He knew we needed the Spirit of Christ at work in us. With the teaching of Christ guiding us and the privilege of prayer made possible by Christ. So we dare not take prayer for granted and we dare not neglect it as is so easy to do. Don't say amen. Right? Say, oh me. It's so easy to neglect prayer, right? Is it just me? It's not just me, is it? It's so easy to say, God, I need more than your promises and not take advantage of the privilege of prayer that calls on the resources of a mighty God, our Creator, who through Jesus Christ makes it possible for us to to prostrate ourselves before His throne of mercy. So we dare not take prayer for granted or take it lightly or neglect it. How privileged we are to be able to call on the power of God to work His work in us and through us for His glory. As Charles Spurgeon once said, Who would not be much in prayer when he knows that he has the ear of the king of kings. Bow your heads with me, would you? Precious Heavenly Father, help us. Help us. 
to not foolishly neglect the privilege of prayer. God, I pray, help us even now to yield to you in the attitude of our hearts that we will trust you and take great hope in your promises and yield before you in prayer the challenges we face, whether it's our own sinfulness and need of victory over sin in our own lives and hearts, whether it's problems with people, be they our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members, that we will yield to you as we tremble in fear when you challenge us to witness to our neighbor. God, I pray for your help, your strength, and your encouragement, but God, help us to not foolishly neglect the privilege of prayer made possible through your gracious, holy, and righteous Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you. We thank you that we can come to you in prayer now and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.